With us to talk about the president's actions on health insurance are Abby Gluck, the director of the Solomon Center for Health Law at Yale Law School, and Zach Tracer, Bloomberg News healthcare reporter. Zach, let's start with these cost-sharing payments that were being made to insurers. What were they and what did the president do? Sure. So these are payments that go directly to insurers and they um, help cover costs uh, related to this provision in the law that says that low-income people essentially have um, reduced deductibles and reduced copays and other kinds of -of out-of-pocket costs when they go to see a doctor. And there'd been this ongoing legal dispute over these payments since 2014. Um, It's been going back and forth in court. Um, And the administration yesterday said, look, you know, um, well, you know, we're we're done. We're we're not going to pay these payments anymore. Um, the Obama administration had been paying them. The Trump administration had been paying them for about the last nine months, but they they changed their minds um, late last night and said we're cutting these off. So, Abby, what is the likely consequence of that? Um, you know, there's there's a couple important consequences. First of all, we're very likely to see a legal action filed by the state attorneys general, uh, the attorneys general of New York and California, put out a press release last night saying that they were going to intervene, uh, bring a direct lawsuit in the D.C. Circuit to challenge the administration's stopping of those payments. Um, it's also possible that we are going to see premiums rise potentially as much as 20 percent for people in those states who do not get insurance subsidies. Now, this is a point that's really worth clarifying. The way the Affordable Care Act works is that it subsidizes insurance payments for people below certain levels of the poverty line. When the Trump administration cuts off those insurance payments, the subsidies are going to go up. So the federal government and the taxpayers are not going to save money from this action. The government is going to wind up paying more in subsidies because insurers are going to raise their premiums for everybody, both those who can afford health insurance alone and those who can't. So people who aren't subsidized are going to pay more. People who are subsidized may pay the same amount, but the federal government is going to pay more. And some insurers are likely to pull out of the markets from the increased cost to the system. Zach, the um, the cost-sharing subsidies aren't the only things that the Trump administration is at least trying to change. What does the president's executive order do in addition to this move on subsidies? So, uh, this is for Zach. So the, the executive order just sort of starts a, a process of, um, of rulemaking, and, and the goal would be to offer um, – some some health insurance options that are you know less expensive, but also probably health insurance options that will you know cover less, that will be less comprehensive uh, for folks. You know this is this is all about creating choice, and and the administration has touted this idea of of choice quite a bit. Um, you know the critics, of course, will say that this will lead to uh, to undermining Obamacare and and sort of harming the the ACA markets. Abby, um, what about insurers and what will happen with the executive order? They're going to have agencies making up these different rules, which we don't know exactly what they are yet. And will it take quite a bit of time for the rulemaking so that it may not even affect insurers immediately? I think there's going to be a short-term effect and a longer-term effect. Um, in the short term, uh, the order, just like the president's threats for the last nine months to turn off those CSR payments, which he finally did last night, All of those things have an effect on the stability of insurance markets and the ways in which insurers plan their rates for the future. You have to remember that insurers have already filed most of their rates for 2018. They have to plan these things far out in advance. So they have to predict what might happen to the markets. And so you might see increased uh, predictions where we're going to happen to premiums going forward. But all in all, it's contributing to an atmosphere of instability uh, and insecurity on the part of the markets. There are there is going to be 
it seems, a formal comment process, which is different from the way this administration has handled health care before. Um, so they seem to want to go through the regular process. I think we're going to see a very loud period of comments. I think there are probably legal issues with several of the, of the ideas in that executive order. It's unclear how they're actually going to accomplish what they directed the agencies to do. And it's possible that there are long-term people who work in these agencies who might go back to the president and say, you can't actually do some of these things that you're proposing to do. And we may see some curtailment uh, of the goals in, those, in that order. Zach, you know, the, the president and the administration have announced that the, the executive order, in their view, is going to lower premiums for a lot of people. Uh, to what degree can we assess whether that, if, if it's all carried out, that's actually true? Well, who it depends who you're talking about, right? So take, for example, one of the pieces in that executive order. It's the idea to extend the period of time in which you can get a short-term health insurance plan. Those are plans that are designed to get you through a period perhaps of no employment. Under the Obama administration, those were three-month plans. Um, they're exempt from the requirements of the Affordable Care Act. So let's say you're young and healthy and you think, I don't really want a full insurance plan. You take one of these new plans, which under the executive order the president wants to extend for a full year, you encourage those young, healthy individuals to exit the market, take these cheap subprime plans, and it weakens insurance markets overall because insurance markets need to have a mix of healthy and unhealthy people to function properly. That's the way insurance pooling works. Um, so you may get some benefit for some young people, but I think some people would argue that those cheap plans didn't do anybody good before the Affordable Care Act because if something happens, you're in trouble. Zachary, the, um, you know, Congress has been trying to first the, the Republicans were trying to repeal and replace Obamacare. That didn't work. There was some discussion that there were bipartisan talks going on to try to fix some of the issues that are now being targeted by the president. What's what's going on in Congress right now about health care and what's likely to happen in response to these actions? Well, these actions may actually end up forcing uh, some bipartisan compromise. We've seen some Republicans come out and say, you know, now we, we're going to have to go and essentially authorize these payments that, that the president has cut off in order to stabilize the insurance markets. Um, you've seen some bipartisan efforts there. Um, you know, the president has said he would like to, you know, revive this push to repeal um, Obamacare, but it, it's not clear how that will go. You know, obviously they want to do tax reform too. Abby, what is likely to happen in terms of the numbers of people covered in about 30 seconds? Because of the executive order? Yeah. Uh, I think we don't know that because, A, we haven't had any kind of CBO report, and, B, we have no idea what they're actually going to do. For example, there's a third provision of that order that seems to allow reduced restrictions on um, certain accounts provided by employers to allow people to purchase insurance. It is not at all clear what they have in mind for that, so I think it's hard to predict. I would be surprised if it did not reduce coverage, uh, especially among people who are less healthy. We're talking about President Trump's actions yesterday on the health care insurance market. One of them was to sign an executive order allowing for more options in terms of plans that individuals and businesses can sign up for. The second was uh, to say that the government is no longer going to pay uh, cost-sharing subsidies to insurance companies that use them to subsidize uh, low-income customers who are getting health insurance from them. We're talking with Abby Gluck, the director of the Solomon Center for Health Law at Yale Law School, about the president's actions. Abby, you mentioned earlier that there are some things the president uh, did, ordered uh, the government to do here that might not be legal under Obamacare or perhaps some other statutes. What is it that you've got in mind in terms of what might be legally problematic? 
Well, um, you know, he had promised a much more detailed executive order, and we got something very vague, I think, probably because they're not quite sure what's legal and what's not under the law. Uh, what he directed was extremely vague. So, for instance, he seems to be asking his agencies to explore expanding the ability of small uh, businesses to group together in what are called these health association plans. Um, but at the same time, the order seems to imply that these plans would be exempted from all of the Obamacare requirements. And it's not quite clear how that's legal, and it's not clear, clear what they have in mind. And my guess is that the administration itself doesn't know what it has in mind, which is why I put the order out and directed the, apart- the Department of Labor to look into it. Abby, there, these subsidies are already being considered by a court. So how is Trump able to just stop them when the court hasn't ruled on them yet? That's a good question. So the suit is not about whether the Affordable Care Act promises the subsidies to the insurance industry. The statute says they shall be paid, and nobody disputes that. The suit is about whether the statute tells Congress to appropriate the funds for those payments. And the argument is over that piece of it. So the argument is whether the funds must be appropriated if they have been appropriated automatically under the statute or whether there needs to be an additional appropriation, which hasn't happened. The House brought the suit saying, hey, appropriations bill start with us. We haven't approved the specific appropriation for these payments. You can't make them. That's the suit in the D.C. Circuit. It's important to see that the D.C. Circuit allowed the payments to continue during the pendency of the lawsuit. It didn't stop them, probably because it realized how destabilizing stopping the payments would be. What the president is doing now is saying, okay, regardless of what happens under this lawsuit, I'm looking at the statute myself, and I don't think the money's been appropriated. So I'm going to turn them off. I'm going to use my executive authority to turn them off. And that's why now you're going to see an affirmative suit filed by the state attorneys general making the case that, no, the president is not allowed to turn these funds off. And that'll probably be lumped together with the suit in the D.C. Circuit. Well, might the health insurers who are supposed to get these payments also sue, Abby? Yeah, they can sue in a special process that exists for suing the government in a special court called the Court of, of, of Federal Claims, basically. Um, that's a separate process. A couple of years uh, earlier last year, there was a uh, rumors rolling around that even if they brought that suit and they won, somehow the federal government was going to refuse to pay that out. But that's a lawsuit for another day. Um, but they're, they're, they are likely to bring suit in that special court, and they're likely to win. And then there's a special fund called the Judgment Fund that applies when the federal government loses a case. And if everything goes according to the black letter doctrine, you would expect to see the insurance industry paid out of the Judgment Fund, the bottom line being that taxpayers don't save any money by having these funds shut off by the president. In fact, they lose money because the federal government's share of the subsidy requirements goes up. Abby, do you see anything possibly happening in Congress? Yeah, I agree with uh, Josh, who spoke earlier, uh, who said that this may, in fact, spur some kind of bipartisan compromise. You know, the senators are the ones who are going to be hearing quite a bit from the entire insurance industry and, frankly, the entire medical industry over the next few days. Uh, Maybe this is a stunt by Trump to try to push that kind of bipartisan action. I I don't actually think that's what's motivating Trump. I think he really wants to destroy the statute. But uh, I do think it's likely that in the face of this chaos— saner minds could prevail. And this could be just what's needed to push the Senate to a bipartisan agreement. Um, 
and I, I think a lot of people certainly hope that that's what will occur. Well, Abby, it's sort of an interesting dynamic. If the Senate and the House both pass bills on a bipartisan basis to restore these payments and fix some of the things that they've been talking about in Obamacare, effectively reversing what the president just did here, is he likely to sign the bill? Well, you might think from his tweets and such, he would veto the bill, but he's also leaked some other statements over the past few days saying if they agreed on something, he would sign it. And, you know, there was a rumor earlier this week that he called Senator Schumer and invited him over to have a chat about working out a deal. Um, and so, you know, as always, it's impossible for, to predict what this president thinks, and it may actually depend on the time of day. Well, in, in about 30 seconds in the short term, what's the thing we should ha- expect to happen immediately in the Obamacare markets after these two actions by the president? Um, potentially revisions in the rates for 2018, although some of the rates have already been set. Um, I think that's probably the only immediate reaction that we might see. We might see some state insurance commissioners calling in the insurance industry to talk about how they're going to deal with those 2018 rates. Well, our thanks to Abby Gluck, who is the director of the Solomon Center for Health Law and a law professor at Yale Law School, for being with us here today on Bloomberg Law. Coming up, we're going to go to Europe, uh, metaphorically speaking, and we're going to talk about why Belgian regulators are seeking a court order about the way that Facebook gets data from not just its customers, but from people who are not actually using Facebook. Belgian regulators are very upset that Facebook uh, uses cookies and other devices in order to find out what people are doing so they can sell ads on Facebook to target folks, even if they're not using Facebook. 